You're listening to the Comet's Tale podcast, the first um, remote edition of this podcast. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Ty. And um, we are physically not in the same space for the first time um, since recording this. So if you hear discrepancies in uh, our audio, that's why. (laughs) I kind of like it. It kind of sounds like an eight track. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can't relate, but um, I'm just kidding. Um, But today uh, we're going to be talking about the idea of expansion um, and possibility this is something that I've been feeling um, resonant with for myself, just in terms of like where I'm at with my life, and like um, we can go into that uh, specifically later. Um, and we are also going to try to look at this <laughs> mm. idea through the lens <laughs> of the hit TV show Outlander. <laughs> Um, which I have been pretty obsessed with for the past, I'd say, like, two months. Um, How I far made in are you, by the way? There's like, there's, like, five seasons. Yeah, I'm almost done with season five. Oh, season wow, okay. five just came out with Netflix, or came out on Netflix, um, like, a week and a half ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're almost done with it. And there is a current season airing on Stars right now, but... Um, yeah, so I made Ty watch it, and we're just gonna use that as our piece of media to kind of play around with, um, I personally see a lot there, but we can Mm. discuss it. So first of all, I guess, um, we haven't really talked about it. What are you, how are, how are you finding the show Outlander? (laughs) Joker, in the movie Joker, um... (laughs) The show Outland. Well, I watched two episodes today. Um, well, very generally, I don't really watch TV for the most part. Like, and it's not because I have any sort of uh, prejudice against TV. I just I find that it's hard for me to commit, and I like to be able to commit to watching something. So, you know, movies. I feel I can do that, of course, because they're watching it all in one go, and I like kind of just giving myself over to whatever it is that I'm consuming. So it's tricky for me to get into, to get into, into TV, but I, yeah, in a couple of episodes of, of this uh, show, Outlander, <clears throat> Outlander, that I've watched, um, it's been pretty captivating. I mean, it's a beautiful setting, first of all. This is in Scotland, is where it takes place. Um, I guess I can speak a little bit about the basic premise that I've gathered, you know, two episodes in. Um, we're following the travails of this main character Claire who we first meet when she's uh, it's I think the end of World War One and she's a nurse and it's World War Two in the Second but, World War yeah but um yeah so she's a nurse and the war has ascended and she goes with her husband to um the Highlands of Scotland for a kind of um, vacation from England and. While they're there, uh, there's this sort of like witchy coven thing that's going on near these ancient uh, uh, monoliths. And basically, it's a kind of uh, time portal. Um, And she finds herself a couple hundred, basically 200 years earlier in Scotland. And it's like 1743, I think, is when she arrives. And... She's kind of like an anthropologist, actually, is how I sort of have been thinking about her. Like, she has to wisen up very quickly and to say, like, okay, how can I kind of pass here? How can I not blow my cover? And how can I, you know, subsist and kind of play the part and get what I need? And perhaps, at least early on, how can I maybe go back to my historical time period? So... Um, I mean, just my own my early impressions are that these themes of like history and memory are just very interesting. I've just been thinking also more generally about history myself lately, like how I think in particular in North America, like we have a lot of amnesia simply because we, you know, I suppose other than 
not other than indigenous people uh, in this part of the world, you came here and you came here pretty early or you were forcibly brought here, um, you know, not that long ago. And I think that just, it makes for a very interesting kind of society when your society is not in conversation with the deeper past. Um, so I like this show. I think it's very interesting in the sense that it's sort of, we're following Claire on this kind of recollection of her own history or of the course of history. Um, mm. That's my take kind of yeah. off the bat. Yeah. And you're obviously very early and I um, like, maybe we'll, we can have subsequent com- conversations on the podcast, but definitely outside of the podcast about um, as things go on in the plot. Um, but I think Outlander, just in these terms of like, so you you learn in the first episode that she can travel through time, and um, this makes me think of expansion. In I guess I can tie it together in this way of just um, personally, since you know, since starting this podcast, since before starting this podcast. Um, I've been in this mental kind of space where I knew exactly what I have wanted for myself post like getting my feet under me. Um, There's a specific place that I've been wanting to move to. Um, There's a specific like motive that I have behind, you know, quitting um, like my job and, uh, like I think I was telling you earlier like last night or something that I just feel like I've always had this outcome in mind this end in mind and yet all of the means are not adding up to the end that I have foreseen or like wanted for myself also the birds are very nice (laughs) springtime in New York um but so I just lately I've just been um just going through well yesterday was really um a really interesting facet of that um but I guess I'll go into this story of kind of where my ideals have shifted um starting with the fact that I previous to um I guess I got home on Tuesday. Previous to this past Tuesday, I wasn't home with my parents for three weeks. I didn't sleep in my own bed for three weeks. And um, it felt like nothing. And um, can you still hear me also? Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah, did you mute yourself? No, I didn't, but my um, phone was off. Like, the screen was not on. Oh, okay. I think well, they just shut me off. But yeah, okay. I heard everything you said. Okay. I, the birds just stopped chirping. <laughs> <laughs> um, there will be technical difficulties in this episode, apparently, just because we're getting used to the technology and not doing it in person. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I, um, like I said, I was not at home for three weeks and part of that was, um, going to Salt Lake for a music festival. And, um, I previously, I had gone to one concert alone before, um, and it was kind of a different experience for me just because, like usually concerts are something you do with your friends or your family. And um, at least that's how I had previously done it. And so going to a two day music festival was like kind of a big deal for me and Mm. my independence. And um, so I show up there, I'm having a good day. I did have one moment (laughs) where like, I just, you know, been like pandemic times where it's like I generally am not around big crowds at all 
Um, and this was like a pretty big music festival. Like I'm sure there was like, I'm guessing like 10,000 people who went mm-hmm. and there was one moment when, um, I really just like <laughs> had to sit on the sidelines and just literally breathe and not have a panic attack because mm-hmm. There were like literally watching the people walk by me was making me dizzy. Mm. And um, so I just I'm like (laughs) pulling myself through this moment and I'm like, okay, just like maybe you'll feel better actually if you're just like part of the crowd and not just watching it go by, Mm. which I think is like a really interesting metaphor that like just while I'm talking it through right now kind of came up for me is like. Maybe you'll just feel better if you, like, jump in it Mm. and not just, like, watch it. And so um, I'm like, okay, cool. So I get up and I do start walking around and I go see another set of music. And um, I am all of a sudden picked out of the crowd by a girl And she was like, hey, are you from Mancus, which is a town near me, but it's not the town that I live in. And I said, oh, no, I'm from like, I'm like, I'm in Ridgeway, actually. Um, Do you like, how do you know Fenceline? This is I'm going to name drop Fenceline Cidery (laughs) on this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Um, Great, great. They don't sponsor us, but we wish that they did. Yeah. (laughs) yeah that's could be our first sponsorship (laughs) opportunity um if you ever are in Mancus, colorado you should go to fence line cidery it's quite delightful um but anyway so she said uh oh no um we just like fence line too but we're from durango which is where i've been trying to move um and or like that was the town that i had in mind and as i'm talking to her she ends up giving me uh contact information for one of the friends she lives with like has a landlord that like may or may not have space in their place and um and I was like okay well that's cool like I'll definitely like follow up with him and see if I can get a hold of him um but I was like what do you do like what's the what's your story and she was like, oh, well, I think what she said was we're artists and do random stuff. And I was like, huh, okay, interesting. And then she was like, yeah, I've been in Durango for 10 years and I'm really looking to get out, though. And I'm like, mm. okay, why? Like, um, what's the, like, what What do you think about it? What's the motive behind that? And she said, I just want to travel. And in that moment... I just had this situation in my head where it was like, I am being spoken to and through me. I don't know how else to describe it, but it was just like someone brought me her or like there, the synchronicity of this and the fact that I resonated way harder with her wanting to travel as opposed to, me wanting to move and start like a new stable life somewhere was really impactful for me and I I think this this idea of of, like travel time travel expansion um kind of blossomed at the peak in that moment but also yesterday I'm having a conversation with um with Pam we can just (laughs) I'll just say Pam uh you know who that is but she was she was really like walking me through like yeah you're you're in your 20s like why like why would you want to um like you don't have a partner you don't have like uh really any anything tying you down why wouldn't you go and travel and go do something right now and so I just like now I'm like okay cool this is where my life is going maybe and I'm still trying to figure that out of what that'll look like but I just felt deeply resonant with that um and so in that too like it kind of also goes back to 
you know, we're, we both have been trying to get rid of this, not get rid of it, but like move on from our current situation. Mm. And I'm wondering <laughs> like how I'm going to do that for myself. But I'm also wondering how your expansive time in New York is going. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear me first of all? Yeah. Okay, I think just my phone, uh, the kind of screen turns off. I think the sound doesn't go through, so that's good to know. Yeah, well, I was just hearing what you're saying, and um, it just makes me think of how in this show also, like, I think the, one of the bigger ideas is, like, the multiplicity of lives in one life, the multiplicity of selves in one image of a self that... I think often we, we really are guided by or cling to this idea of there has to be a singular script or there can only be a singular script for who I am or what I might become. And that just isn't true. And I think to really tap into that and to really um, celebrate that is a really amazing thing um, to to understand oneself and one's life uh, as something that is always changing and always in motion and as something that is not ever going to be static. Um, and and I think to have just a kind of positive and a kind of, um, yeah, just celebratory attitude and relationship towards that is holds a lot of possibility. Um, well, I was just thinking last night I was I have this uh, roof or we have a rooftop in the apartment I'm seeing and it's I'm in Brooklyn and in you know a building that's about four stories tall so it's not enormous by any means it's a nice size and I have this really cute backyard that I'm sitting in right now um, but anyway there's some great rooftop access and so I was up there last night at sunset for about an hour or so um, and there's this great view of Manhattan Island with, you know, all of the huge buildings of the Empire State Building, the Chrysler Building, um, all the new developments. You can really just see it all and it's kind of just at your feet. And there are big buildings, of course, but you have distance and so that it looks like a little kind of toy city. It's a very strange experience because... I also realized like I'm not physically on that specific island. Like I'm, I'm in a different part of the city, um, and yet I, I don't know. And, and I'm yet I'm part of that. That's what people think of when they think of New York is Manhattan Island and, and the kind of high rises. Um, and it just was there's a sensation of being kind of at the doorsteps to this great labyrinth of millions of people and cars and buildings and just a whole material infrastructure of, of a, this massive behemoth of a city. And I don't know if I would call it sublime exa exactly, but it was this experience of just how do I tap into this, into this massive undulating thing? Um, how can I possibly the little as the little kind of ants or the little kind of speck that I am, you know, kind of seated at the foot of all of this. How where is my port of entry? Um I don't I think it was just interesting also like a, a different feeling, but I guess one that echoes this is back home in Colorado, you know, seeing the mountains and having that experience of just looking at a big, vast kind of scene. Um it's not that experience experience of being sort of feeling socially overwhelmed or kind of uh, sensing the social immensity or possibility or the word I like is limitlessness of something, but rather a kind of, you know, I guess a more natural or kind of spiritual sense of that. I think in, in the face of a huge mountain range like the San Juan Mountains near where we live. Um, um, yes, but... I guess my, my first couple of weeks here have been interesting and challenging in that I guess maybe part of my assumption was that I was just going to arrive here and immediately find portals of entry. Um, 
And I think it takes a little bit more time than that. That doesn't just happen on a dime. Um, you have to really, I think, come to build and have a sense of your own rhythm in a place. And then in turn to, to observe and to, to recognize and to notice what relates to that, what is complementary to that, where is that, when is that, who is that with. Um, and it's this kind of dance of just... I don't know, like another image that comes to my mind is almost like a pinball in a pinball machine, like this volatile little free radical that is me or anyone else, you know, in a huge system, um, bouncing around and kind of, you know, being thrown about and kind of being just in the turbidity of all of that until you kind of, until things settle and you find your way, you're kind of uh, the path forward, right? Of which there is only one. Um, at least in pinball, that's how that game works. But um, <laughs> so I guess I, I just um, I think whereas back home there was this sense of um, I have a sense of my own will. It just is the case, and my own desire, my own interests. It's just the case that this context can't accommodate that or receive that. Uh, here, it's it's a little bit different. It's I yeah I have I continue to have a sense of my own desires and interests and curiosities. Um, but now the context is so big, so massive, and so labyrinthine that the challenge now is to condense it somehow, to to bring it to me, um, to beckon it forward, um, and to sort of foreground particular aspects of it um, in ways that can be resonant with the interests, curiosities, desires that I've had and that I'm bringing to this place. Yeah. Well, to bring it back to Claire and Outlander for a little bit, um, just me being so far along in this show, like, you'll see, like, she really has to build a life. Mm. She has no choice but to build a life. And um, that's kind of, I mean, that's our problem or duty or... Um, circumstance as well is like we have no choice but to build a life from where we're at Mm. Um, yes we can move yes we can uh, like make decisions on circumstance sometimes but at the very end of everything you have to build within time and space that's just reality Mm. Um, and I think that Outlander, as you'll see if you keep watching, which I hope you do, so that I have someone to talk to about <laughs> it. Um, but it's really beautiful to realize the, I guess, I'm trying to find the right word for it, but the. I guess acceptance. Well, the non-negotiability of, of it. She, right, like you said, right. she has to... There's such clarity. She can only... She must work with her fate. Right, exactly. And um, as things go on, too, I think that it's a really beautiful story of, like, just of truth and um, just divinity in the way of, like, it had to be her... And it had to be, um, it had to go in the exact way that it should have. And like, I don't know. It's just really beautiful to me. Um, and also that doesn't come without grieving your reality, your other reality or your, um, the, the, the lives that you can't live. Um, I guess we can bring this in now too, but we were discussing how are we going to talk about this, um, subject, but the book, the defining decade, um, by Meg J, um, kind of talks about this in that, um, that the book itself is more of a, I guess it would be a self-help book, but it's by this, um, PhD, uh, Meg J and, kind of her work in therapy um, with all these people who like, you know, just, just kind of talking about your twenties and what it is 
to like fully um, utilize your 20s and what does that mean to start building a life Um, and something that she brings up in that book which I think about all the time is like uh, okay you're like at the store for jam and this it's been a while since I've read this so forgive me if if it's not the way that it actually goes in the book but um you're at the store and you're looking for jam and you know you you're in a freaking aisle with like all the all the jam you could want right all the flavors all the sizes all the um the all the possibility in the world Mm. um and but realistically um, she says you have about six that will actually work for you um, and that's that's just like mm. the metaphor that she uses of like you know yeah you can do anything blah 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 you can do this but like realistically at any given point in your young life you have about like five or six reasonable realistic implementable choices mm. Um and so what's really interesting to me <laughs> is that um, I feel like I pushed myself in this time of my life to have just one choice. Um, and I'm in, a, in such a point where, like, I can be considering five or six options realistically. And yet my mind was on one fucking jam of jar jam of <laughs> jam of jar you know jar of jam um, the jam of that, jams that i just couldn't get off the freaking shelf <laughs> and all the other jars of jam around are saying okay uh cool like hope it works out for you but we're right here and i think part of me wanting to talk about this and just the season of my life is like I also not only did I have that jar of jam in my mind I also had a timeline and Mm. pressurized myself into uh, okay I'll make it on the fifth jump then (laughs) and like it's just so I just it's so unneeded it's I'm just looking at the the fullness of my experience right now and just realizing like fucking why you know Mm, like you know it's so you know um (laughs) but you know that's not the it's it's not i think where i struggle is like i want I want to be a committed person and like to, if I really want something which I have or I thought I did to be able to fucking commit to it and make it happen mm. and that's sometimes just not the option that's sometimes right. just like not the circumstance or the reality or what ends up happening at all mm. and um, it can be immensely um troublesome to read a book like the defining decade because that book left even my friends who have places and contexts and jobs and situations that are way different than mine that left them freaked out and i'm like Mm. well fuck you know (laughs) like fuck me i guess (laughs) um but yeah yeah I just I don't know I I liked that book and it's it does have a lot of important points but I also just think something that we talked about in this particular book club that we read it in was um just how uh in the current age of like climate change and capitalism and how untenable it's becoming and um just like how fucking expensive just everything is and our our current political times it does not account for any of that mm. and so we're sitting <laughs> the more i guess radical of us we're sitting there 
like she doesn't even talk about xyz she talks about people having kids and that you should if you want kids you should be like um thinking about having them pretty early like because once you're when you're a woman like once you're 30 like early 30s your chances of being fertile go down exponentially and whatever but she doesn't even consider the fact of like okay maybe also people don't want to be having babies because it's not a world that you would want to bring a child into or Mm. like the feasibility of like motherhood in a time such as this um and so yeah I I guess I (laughs) my academic um proclivities say yes read the book but also like it wasn't perfect and it's not my bible (laughs) well you can read it to disagree with you know right Um, right and but there is like a lot of like i said a lot of interesting things to think about um i just was in the terms of my own experience i limited to talk about the word limit again i limited myself to one possibility or one thing that i wanted and barely considered any others until pretty recently of like oh um i'm actually competent in the world and i actually have these resources um so why wouldn't i just follow them for what they're worth Mm -hmm. until i can't yeah and then figure it out from there (laughs) yeah well i think all of this reasons for me like limitation or constraint and possibility and limitlessness um, are really related. And I think there's a kind of balance um, that necessarily has to to sort of come into place um, in order to really access your greatest possibilities or most fully kind of immerse yourself in, you know, what is possible for you. I was just thinking about this sort of, uh, I think I was telling this to you a couple of days ago, but in a more everyday sense, like realizing for myself that the the windows where I can be focused and creative and sort of saturated in my own, you know, mental, intellectual, creative abilities, um, that's a pretty, that's a finite window in which that exists. Um, I mean, and there's, especially now that I'm, you know, living in a more self-sufficient manner, I have bills I need to pay, I have work that I need to do. Um, There are parts of my day that, um, you know, in having chosen to be in this place, uh, I have the obligation of of working or, you know, doing other tasks uh, in order to uh, ensure that I can sustain that. Um, And I've noticed that, in this limitation and in the uh, just the kind of constraint that I have, I think that's something that's actually augmented and kind of um, heightened uh, and intensified those windows when I can, um, I guess I would just say be poetic, be in this activity of making things and be, be in a kind of a position of, of really kind of inching forward. I, I think the, the word I was using with you is uh, locomotion, like this, this sense of, like a train kind of moving forward, you know, there's a lot of mass that has to be moved forward at first. And this takes a lot of energy and it's very slow at first, but then this kind of, you know, that, uh, that energy or that kind of force begets itself. And so eventually the wheels start turning themselves because they're already turning. Um, another point is very broadly is also that limitlessness, expansion, possibility, there's also a shadow side to this too, you know? I mean, what you are just mentioning, the, the kind of global circumstances we find ourselves in, very much of that can be tied back to the fact of just this kind of desire for unchecked um, positivist growth and expansion and broadening, right? And there's a balance, or that, that kind of returns to us uh, collectively and individually in, in different ways. Um, expansion cannot be sustained forever or infinitely um there are times of rest and of non-doing and of non-striving also right and 
I'm just very struck and very, I think it's very fascinating to notice that, you know, in certainly in one's own life, uh, how we're really co-creating with ourselves. Um, yes, I use myself as a vessel to do something like uh, writing. I've been hoping, I've been wanting to do some writing projects and I'm in the kind of beginning stages of a couple writing projects right now for this summer. Um, and, you know, I have some ideas, I have some ambition, I have some intention, I have some, some curiosity here. Um, and yet, in a certain way, that can't just be kind of summoned on command. Um, it, has to sh it, it can only show up of its own accord. Uh, there's a lot of ways in which those kind of creative um, uh, capabilities are not in my immediate control. Um, in other words, that I serve as a limit unto myself and actually the, the kind of limiting force of my own selfhood in turn mm, creates opportune windows for other kinds of possibility to emerge and other kinds of productive, generative, um, flourishing work to happen. Um, so I think there's, there's, a, there's a limitation as a very positive and important and um, kind of grounding effect here um, and place here also. Um, as I see it, it's really this question of what is the balance then between pursuing and having an interest for and a kind of curiosity towards what a more limitless experience would look like um, while at the same time considering what are the limitations that be that you know counteract that and you know what are the limitations that I can also leverage to my advantage in order to sort of deepen and saturate and kind of further complexify my experience Yeah, I'm just thinking, I, I remembered in the very first episode, we were talking about limitations, and I'll bring up and say another thing that I think I said on that one, but it was like, limitations should be, your limitations are like, to be like, a good, ambitious person, or like, well, and here we go with the fucking dichotomy of good versus bad, you know, but mm. like, in order to be like a functioning and I guess admirable person or like to become the comet your limitations should be circumstantial like mm. I think that a way to look at that to for a goal is like you should have <laughs> very few limiting beliefs and I don't think anyone in the history of the world has ever been able to like do that to have no self limitations mm. um but i i think in a way that that like that's like maybe the apogee of what we're mm. uh hoping for is like in a world where you have no self limitation um mm. and you're really only working as you in your best with reality that's what true limitless limitlessness is mm. because we all we all self limit and we right. all um we self we we even self limit by making our reality limit us like our choices in making things limit us and mm. i think that i like my personal struggle has been i'm so good at it <laughs> <laughs> i'm so good at saying oh well just just stay a little bit longer or just stay a little bit like um don't do x as much or like be loyal be mm. safe be um reliable be on time mm. be just all these things that yes okay sometimes good qualities but they're still limiting Right. Hmm. And I think in that way, limitation too is like not necessarily a bad thing, as you were just saying as well. Like, it actually is like it's just this constant that's really kind of what reality hmm. is is like the play well, between expansion yeah. and limits and constraint and expansion. Yeah, it's the conduit to contract, that kind of, expand. Yeah. 
it's a conduit to a kind of numinous vast experience i mean it just i'm thinking of again when i was on my roof yesterday i have a city before me but it's this colossal thing right there's that is a limitless or there's huge potentiality and huge possibility that's just represented by just that site right um but there must necessarily be a kind of more condensed channel to enter into that um i mean just very literally in terms of like the architecture of the city and its infrastructure like you take a subway to get to to manhattan mm. island right there's a tiny little line that is you know noisy and slow and unpredictable and unreliable but it gets you to the city um and that's kind of the only way to get there right it's it's you have to it's almost like a i don't know like a birth canal is kind of like the image that comes to my mind like uh this this kind of tension between constraint constriction and an opening a revelation mm. into something something I much like bigger that. um I mean, there's a kind of, there's a very, there's a ritual kind of connotation to this, I guess you could say too, that confinement or kind of condensation, pressurization, and this is also very alchemically resonant, the kind of um, compaction of things is is a condition of transformation. Um, mm. Transformation into a new, more opened, enlivened, enriched, um more flexible and nimble kind of state um, or reality. Um, I think there's something else that's coming to my mind. Um, go ahead, though. I can't quite think of it. Oh, I was just thinking, like, it's just really telling, like, we started this podcast in the very bare-bones reality of, like, we had our conditions, we had our limitations, and now like I was telling to you, you're in a very physically different space. And I think, um, well, I was, I mean, like I temporarily was also in different physical spaces. Um, but it helped bring my mind out of this, like the stuckness mm. or like the, the loop right. of, of like, Oh, the world's still out there mm. and it's becoming more and more possible every day. Right. And, you know, it's not that it's like a one a one way ticket to <laughs> paradise or like if if I just make this one move or this one decision, then everything's going to be great. But it is about recognizing. Yeah, I was fucked up. Like <laughs> my life got ripped the fuck out from under me mm. and it's just been, you know, to go back to our dream one, our dream episode as well. It's like, we dreamed the dream and I'm waking, we I feel like I'm waking the up. That's Claire's, that should be Claire's anthem. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, did you hear the theme song? I have heard it. I'm like, have you, it. I mean, have you heard the lyrics to it? Have you no, listened to the lyrics? I haven't, no. Um, well, it talks about her, um, like, it says, sing me a song of a last that is gone. Say, mm. could that last be I? <laughs> and it's just like, it's really, well, first of all, it's a, I really like the song, but it's also just like this, mm. it, it, it speaks to that, transformation of self of she is not the same person and you'll right. i mean you'll see that but even even as when she goes through the stones the first time like that's not the same woman she's gone from the mm. she's gone from 1944 yeah like well, she's she doesn't exist anymore she's not the same woman she's now claire in um 19 or 1745 yeah. 35 whatever yeah. scotland yeah well it's this journey to oneself it's the remembrance of self i mean this is a little bit of a different right. theme but um i guess another idea that was coming to my mind was like what is the attitude that you have towards just the kind of you know basic objective sensation of either 
constraint or kind of constriction versus opening, right? You could see um, the kind of, um, I don't know, that kind of hugging or kind of tightening as um, stuckness or, you know, um, uh, kind of, uh, how do I say, kind of like, I don't know, tenseness or, or anxiety. Or you could just say, you know, it's equally possible to say this is a focusing, clarifying sensation. Clarifying. That's <laughs> and likewise, you know, <laughs> some, we, we, we might think, you know, we kind of tend to think very positively, think of limitlessness and of openness and expansion. But, you know, that also could look like schizophrenia, being too available to everything, right? Like, it, it's all very contextualize on perspective and on kind of how that's right. being appreciated well, and the resources and the kind of context of, of a life and a, of an experience too to go to go back to my little almost panic attack at the freaking concert mm, yeah that kind of speaks to that too of like yeah there were so many people available to me walking past me brushing past me mm. that like i couldn't you were unmoored for yeah. a minute of just like yeah i was just like in this sea of people and the then then you know well and like and still on the sidelines of that and watching this happen and then as soon as I decided to make my context which is you know mm. walking to the next stage that's when things started to open up for me mm. just so happened to be the first night just so happened to be timed in that way of mm -hmm. Well, and also I will say another moment that happened as I was having almost having a panic attack was this girl next to me. I don't know what she noticed in me, um, but she just started chatting with me and really grounded me in that moment of just like, oh, it's all too much of like, holy fuck, there's so there's so many people around me. And she like, she's this is pretty nice by the fountain, huh? And I was like, yeah. You're she right, must have been a, a Capricorn or something, and a good old Capricorn that you found. <laughs> Maybe, but um, <laughs> if you're that girl, if you somehow are listening to this, you <laughs> got me out of a panic attack. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I like what you said. You you made a context like in that situation, like you kind of. It's almost like you had like a a shell that you were able to find, like not to shut things out, but just to say, all right, I need some self preservation mechanism here, right. and I can just make that internally. It can be porous and open and, and, you know, the door can be open. But uh, the point being that you do have some sort of sense of egoic I here and now. Um, that's also a very, that's a limitation that is really, I think, you know, certainly can be really, um, can cause a lot of ignorance and suffering, right? If we cling too closely and rigidly to that sense of separation or that sense of, you know, limitation. But... If we can relate to it sort of cognizantly and um, recognizing, you know, ego for what it is, for example, then it becomes a really useful tool and a really important and necessary tool uh, through which we can navigate the world and make great things happen in, in a great context for ourselves. Um, right. It's, it's a very kind of, I don't know, I'm just thinking like these very technological terms also, like... Um, almost like kind of whittling something down like a, a sculpture or something like this like um it's really to me there's this this sensation of I don't know, almost like having, having magnifying glasses on right this is like focusing in to see something to see to see things anew um uh yeah i don't know i, I don't know if you can feel this in your body but for me that's something i really I do feel and, and that I it's, it's I guess just a flow state you could describe it as very basically also is this kind of mm. balance between focusness and, and constraint and and the playground I was thinking also and we were talking about this too but like it, when we we're talking about Arate right uh, and we we're talking about figure skating and you sort of were thinking about like the ice rink as you know the the objective non-negotiable Thing at hand right and yet it's a canvas where anything can happen and that blend and to find that to kind of I don't know to, to negotiate that kind of blendedness of things in everyday life is 
is a challenge. And I think also it just requires a lot of attention. I'm realizing too. Mm. Um, and a lot of intention. Mm. And you have to really observe things very granularly in a lot of ways. You know, yes, there are big ways in which this happens. Yes, there are obvious and grand ways in which it takes place. But um, any kind of task, I don't know, taking a walk, just uh, having a conversation with someone, whatever it might be, how can I at once play with and impose and uh, actively enlist both a sense of a focused constraint and kind of speculative, um, broadened, a kind of speculative attitude too. Um, this is just coming to me now as well. Like, I, obviously I knew where I was at when I was at this concert, but it was a full circle moment for me because I was literally right outside the place where I got told that I didn't have a job anymore. Um, mm. And I was the fountain I was sitting at when I was about to have a panic attack was where I used to like eat lunch when I was on my really? breaks from the museum. Yeah. Huh. And um, it was just really strange being like totally coming full circle of like the exact street corner where I was spit out into this pandemic world is now the street corner where I'm coming back to enjoy the fruit of mm. life and these people and like, somewhere where I was felt where I felt most isolated maybe not immediately after like the 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 grand firing (laughs) um but like this this place that represented such isolation and such um just struggle and totally despairing um or like turned into a literal ten thousand person party. <laughs> mm. Wow! With complete with music and booze mm. and food and young people and the bounties of like of the world. The the bounties of yeah of what I've That's been really missing for freaking two years. Mm. Yeah. It almost makes me think of like, oh, I don't know, like if you eat a, like a delicious meal too quickly, you'll get a stomach ache, right? There's something about this act of just savoring something, saying there's so much available to me, there's so much bounty, there's so much abundance, but I don't yeah. have to have the scarcity outs- mindset of just engorging that, just consuming all of it at once. I can really right. delight in a very considered and kind of just uh uh fully present way you know and isn't that that's the most that's the richest way to enjoy something i find is to really just take your time and to um right just kind of get lost in the experience whatever it might be um taking i don't know just going slow and kind of giving yourself over to watching yourself have the enjoyment you know not just not just consuming it mm-hmm. for the outcome of an enjoyment, but enjoying the enjoyment itself or enjoying the, yeah, the process of, of sort of imbibing something like that. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was just like, like I said, it was a practice in my independence and yet it was also a practice of just like being around people again, even mm-hmm. like that much of a crowd and um, just, you know, talk, like literally having, not that I was, I, I mean, I worked at a restaurant during the pandemic. So like, I know I had to talk to people and whatnot, but just like doing it on my own terms and not Mm. feeling weird about it. Like now I am the consumer. I, I get to consume an experience where I had felt so limited in my ability to have a good time. Like, (laughs) like, uh, it, I became so resentful of the people who like kind of just ignored the circumstances of the world and were just like, Oh, I don't care. We're still going to have these immense amount of pe- like these parties 
uh, at your restaurant on New Year's <laughs> Eve. Like, I don't care. I don't care. What, like, I don't give a shit about any of this. And I'm like, you're 57 years old. <laughs> um, <laughs> that should be me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel like, the, <laughs> like I said, the well i mean i've become so resentful of just that age um <laughs> just that age of people men and women and non-binary folk of a certain age um i, I, I hope they will mix in of a certain age <laughs> the demification of san miguel county yeah <laughs> um but no i just like i felt simultaneously young again because the world is a possibility and yet so old because (laughs) everyone was 12 um (laughs) and it was actually incredible like the (laughs) the freaking drink tents had like no lines at them because mostly everybody was like 16 um so that was (laughs) also really funny where it was just like i'm a vip here actually (laughs) um like it just makes me think vip um... like viscerally Increpit. <laughs> no, I'm just, just kidding. I'm not even gonna try to make an acronym out of that. But it just it just makes me think like, visually um... visually impaired decrepit. <laughs> Wait, Vid. that's vid. I'm vid. stupid. I can't vid. Well, that's because you're visually impaired. So visually impaired person. Virtually oh. ignorant placenta. <laughs> That's what the kids were. The twelve year olds were virtually yeah, ignorant yeah. placentas. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, I love acronyms and alliteration. Like this happens to be, in my opinion, the ultimate form of comedy. So <laughs> I could listen to that all day or make up my own um <laughs> shticks. Um, I don't know. I, I was just thinking here like how again, yeah, how how there's such a multiplicity of oneself that you can feel if you really are, are attuned to that. You know, you can sometimes be a raging, crazy teenager. Uh, sometimes you can be someone who's been here for thousands of years. Sometimes you can be someone who's middle-aged. Sometimes you can just be someone who's kind of just a jaded person who's your own age. And all from the vantage of a singular, you know, experience um, I just think it's really amazing how through, I guess I would call it empathy, um, empathy, a kind of imaginative empathy, um, or just curiosity, you can really take on so many personas um, and come to know yourself, maybe in the persona that you establish yourself most uh, prominently in or kind of consistently, and you can come to know that so much more fully and kind of be, just become much more planted and kind of secure and and uh, robust in that if you do this kind of exploration or if you I'm just thinking of Claire again like this kind of time traveling situation like what a multiplicity of 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 life that's set before her in this experience of you know being thrust into a radically new sort of identity yeah and that's a possibility possibility I guess what I'm saying is that it absolutely is dependent upon context and sort of physical material circumstances but often that's just the catalyst like going to a concert right the concert was just the kind of um what set off a kind of avalanche of, of this a new way of being in the world um had an important yeah. part but it, it wasn't because of the concert alone or by extension you know anything else um that is just something that offers a, a kind of place for the mind and the imagination and just this question of what would it be like if, what would it be like if I was different? What would it be like if that was my experience? What would it be like if I felt comfortable in doing that? Or if I, if I knew more about that, whatever it might be, this kind of what if uh, attitude or outlook, um, that's always here. And I think it's about, it's a matter of, again, through limitation, through context, and through these kinds of interventions of their kinds, inviting oneself into that, that way of being. Yeah. And I think on that note, we're doing it. Mm. We're out here. We've moved from dreaming to being. Mm. And that's really exciting for 
you know, us and our lives. Do you have any closing thoughts? I don't. Yeah, it was good to have a, our first remote conversation. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Comments Tell podcast. We'll, well, you'll hear us next time. <laughs> hmm.